Disrupting Worship, the podcast, is a set of conversations about the future of gathered worship. In the midst of struggle and tragedy, lockdown has offered us an unprecedented opportunity to pause, reflect, and reshape what it looks like to meet with God, the world, and one another. Hello and a warm welcome to Disrupting Worship. I'm mega excited because today we've got Jeremy and Sarah joining us to kind of look at pandemic, worshipping outside, um, climate change and all those issues around it. So to kick off, Jeremy, would you like just to say a few words for our listeners, especially those maybe who've not come across you and the work that you're involved in? Certainly, yes. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy Williams and I'm uh, a writer and activist around social and environmental issues and I also do um, Park Church uh, in Luton with Sam and Sarah and various other people. Great thank you and Sarah. I am Sarah and I am uh, I co-lead Engage Worship together with Sam and co-parent two children. Yeah, we uh, we do a lot of writing at the moment as Engage. We normally go around and do training uh, for worship and, and creativity and those things. But at the moment, we, or the last year or so, we've mostly been doing writing and producing resources and thinking. Great. And Sam, you're with us as well, as always. Do you want to kind of uh, set the scene for our conversation today? Yeah. So I guess um, we all know that we've been in this pandemic for the last year. And one of the very distinguishing things for Christians is that our buildings have mostly been closed. Um, And so I think everyone's very quick to say the church is not the building, but we've had to actually live it for over a year now. Um, And a lot of people, I think, you know, everyone jokes that their main hobbies now are taking walks in nature, you know, and reading. And, And those walks in nature, I think, for many people have turned into their places where they connect with God. Um, and then in the midst of that, as Jeremy says, we've been doing part church for over four years now, and that isn't about taking instruments and stages and screens and long liturgies out into a park. It's about actually saying, right, here we are in, in this park. How can we worship in an indigenous way in this park? And what is God's creation saying to us? So we've uh, taken some of that thought on those experiences and, Years ago, we did a book called Outdoor Worship, but this book is really based on those last four years of experience and saying, actually, how can we worship in the woods in a way that is indigenous? And Sarah and Jeremy have really kind of pioneered the, the writing of that. So kind of wanted to get them on and ask them, you know, why, why do you worship outdoors? Sarah, why do you worship outdoors? Why do I? <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, it's what I do naturally. I think mm. uh, it really clicked for me when we read, um, I'm trying to see what his name is, Gary Thomas. Mm. It's really a book called Sacred Pathways. And I think in that um, he lists like nine or something, quite a lot of mm. different ways that people connect with God. And, you know, some will, you know, be about liturgy or uh, emotions or different ways that we have connections. And I think the first one he lists is, you know, connecting with God outdoors. And I went, yes. That is who I am. And, um, you know, I'm, I've come from a sort of charismatic worshipy background and love leading worship and love singing together with people and really miss that now. But it, when it really comes down to it, if I need to connect with God, I have to be outside and mm. I have to preferably sit on a big stone or hug a tree or, you know, <laughs> have that kind of connection. And so for me, it's the most natural place um, in the world, really, to um 
I just feel really close to God outside in a way that I can't I can't feel that inside. Um, and it's you know it's nothing magical. I think it's just kind of being there where God's fingerprints are all over and um, and and I guess it's quieter as well. <laughs> Quite like that. Yeah. How about you, Jeremy? Well, I'm very similar. In I, I remember reading the the same book and um, for the first time almost having permission mm. to say I engage best with God through nature. But as I was thinking about that this morning, I was trying to think about why that is and why that speaks to me in particular. <clears throat> and I was thinking that in the in the um, background that I come from, which was very conservative evangelical tradition, mm. church was very much about language and about words and perhaps slightly over-concerned with kind of policing the boundaries of what's thinkable about God and what we mm. can say about God. But the risk of that is that when you come to worship, you're actually spending time talking about ideas about God rather than engaging with God. Yeah. And um, when you go out into nature, <clears throat> by definition, it's no longer about language. Nature mm. doesn't speak with words. Mm. It's always multisensory. It's always something that's beyond us. And at that point, we're engaging much more with something that's closer to something divine because God is by nature beyond language mm -hmm. and beyond our own comprehension. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there's something there that, um, for me, gets beyond the controversy. It gets beyond desperately trying to be correct <laughs> and trying to define everything and mm -hmm. gets closer to communing with God and to that sense of just being allowed to just be in God's presence. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's good. That's really profound. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. And it's it's so relevant to this title of this podcast, I think, Disrupting Worship, because like when we started doing this, I was very much because I'm, you know, I love all kinds of worship. When but we I, started Park Church. Park Church. Yeah. Sorry. When we started Park Church, you know, my default is to pick up my guitar or to think of something to put on a screen or a prayer that we're going to use or whatever. And it took me a long time. And Jeremy and Sarah, you kind of really helped me and particularly Sarah saying, no, Sam, we can't do that. Um, really helped me to go, Oh, like it's not actually indigenous to be in the woods or in the park or whatever and sing a whole load of songs or to, to do a monologue preach, you know, it's far more indigenous to have a conversation or to, you know, um, pick up some leaves or to, you know, look at a tree or to talk, you know, have a conversation around, you know, the science of, of, of what is going on in the natural processes or, or just to, stop talking for or just stop talking and be still. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and so it really, you know, even when we started doing this, um, park church four years ago, it disrupted me. And I, I hope that people right now, because they have had to stop being in their buildings and they have maybe gone out and maybe as, you know, for, as we record this, the lockdown is starting to ease and people can start to meet up again in small groups and maybe they will meet up in their churchyard or in their park because they think that's more safe. Um, but I hope that they will start to think, okay, well, how does it look different to meet in this outdoor space? So yes. I wonder... Is it okay if I ask... So yeah. can I just ask Grace, as a vicar yeah. who's not been part of Park Church and everything, what's your kind of immediate thoughts when you, you know, when we say kind of outdoor worship and outdoor, because I'll be really interested in hearing like your perspective as a, as a non, you know, yeah. forest <laughs> church person or whatever. 
my first reaction is I will be cold. Yeah. <laughs> so my daughter says to me, Grace, you're always cold. So, you know, my husband and daughter have a different thermostat. They're kind of shorts and T-shirts, whatever the weather. I am hat, gloves, whatever. So actually, but so my first visceral reaction is, I just hope I'm going to be warm yeah. enough. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I can't worship if I'm freezing cold. Yeah. So, so I know that. But once I get beyond that, I totally resonated about um, how we expand when we're outside so I was listening to another podcast uh, yesterday all about the benefits of outdoor play for children yeah. and how it is fundamentally important to their neurology, mm. to their ability to, you know, calm down. And, you know, it's, the list went on and on and mm. on. And this lady was saying, we just, we, just, we just lost that. We just lost that. And so I think when I hear about um, worshipping outside, once I get beyond my physical com- discomfort, I know deep down... It's, it's it, it, it I connections happen in a way that don't happen when you're confined in a row sitting down in a building even if it's a beautiful building and we have some amazing cathedrals in this country and you know, amazing small local churches that are aesthetically gorgeous but they are no they're they're pale in insignificance to go into Ashridge estate which is a local national trust for those who live in near Luton you know, and you're seeing the trees there and you just can't help but your cortisol to drop and your shoulders to drop. So, mm. so yeah, I think for me, it's, um, it, it's scary because of the discomfort because we're so used to being comfortable physically. Mm. Mm. Um, and and I, I think for some people that, that they, they can't, there will be a mental, a significant mental shift. How, how's that going to work? You know, what do I sit on? You know, <laughs> it sounds really silly, but those, yeah. those, those are things and you, mm. you, you have all that comfort in a church, but then it's in a, in a building. But what we know, though, is that uh, we are able to tap into parts of our humanity that mm. I think you can only access when you are outside in mm. God's creation. So, yeah, just hearing, and you're right about, um, we did an outdoor service in Easter Sunday so that we could sing. That's why we did it this Easter. And you're right, Sam, I, I didn't do a sermon because it was flipping freezing. <laughs> and I thought, no, I was going to be paying attention. I'm going to figure, I'm cold, let's get a move on. But we sang some songs, we used some of the liturgy that you devised from Engaged Worship. We broke bread together. And actually, I found that being outside kept it simple. Yeah. So that that is the beauty. It is simple. You just you just couldn't, as you said, bring out the guitar on your screen and, and, and do everything else. So so I'm on I'm on a journey, but I have to say with my African heritage roots, the cold. I wanna be honest. Yeah, I just think that's so brilliant. And thank you for saying that because Sam doesn't like me saying this actually. <laughs> but I know for a fact that lots of people don't like being outside and don't like worshipping outside. And like I say that as, as like a kind of that shocks me, like proper kind of jaw dropping shock. But, uh, you know, I'm now 41 years old nearly and I'm understanding that not everybody is like me. That's what, <laughs> that's what growing up is like. And and there's a couple of things like we have a friend who's from India, for example, and he will say to me, your idea of nature is in the West and in Europe is very different because mm. you don't have any predators outside. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can sit in the woods and be perfectly safe. The squirrels aren't going to harm you. Whereas, uh, you know, for him growing up in South India, like the wild is a dangerous place. Mm. And so actually heading outside, it's not this kind of pastoral, you know, beautiful thing. And and I think it was uh, Jeremy's wife, Louise, who was telling me about a, 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 an acquaintance here in Luton who'd said, well, actually having grown up in Luton from childhood, 
that's that's my safe place. The concrete and the roads and the high rises, that feels safe and homely to me, which is so far beyond my experience having grown up on a farm. And I know Jeremy has got really formative um, uh, life experience from uh, Madagascar and from uh, Kenya, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just as kind of how you've grown up and how you are. And, you know, that Gary Thomas, how many are there? Are there nine? nine I think. So that's eight other spiritual mm. pathways that he lists are people who are not necessarily like me. So I think that is my biggest challenge to kind of go, actually, this is my thing that is really I'm really passionate about. And I actually do believe that it's beneficial for everybody, but not everybody's going to get it a hundred percent. You know, the, the kind of first time you introduce it to them and actually the way you encourage um, people is to maybe to meet them there. And so for for Grace, if there are people like Grace in, in your group to say, we're going to have uh, picnic chairs and uh, p- please bring a blanket and you will be fine. <laughs> and, you know, whatever it is and to kind of meet people where they're at. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. I think that was great that you share that, Grace, because that led me on to my the thing I think is the greatest challenge. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Jeremy? Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And I was going to say, if you are getting started, then answering some of those questions in advance could be really mm-hmm. helpful. Mm. So to say, yes, bring a chair or a blanket. If it rains, we'll meet here so that yeah. people know straight away, you know, we'll be doing this. So you might want to bring a coat or, you know, whatever, just yeah. giving people a bit of reassurance, get over some of those boundaries. What I was going to say as well is that um, I think that if you do engage with nature, you can live in a much more uh, God filled world. Mm. And that, I think even if it's not your natural way to engage with God, if the church was able to just bring a bit of, I don't know, coaching perhaps is the right word, Mm. (laughs) to do more of this, more people might discover God in the world around them. So to to look at some of those other ways that you might engage with God, another way that I engaged with God, certainly when I was younger, was intellectually through a good sermon. Like I've heard a good meaty sermon. I've learned something about God. Um, It might be through um, collective worship and sung worship. If those are the main ways that you engage with God, then your reliance on being able to go to church for that, that kind of weekly top up. And then it's like, a you know, you coast down through the week until you can top up again and you get your kind of weekly dose of God. If, on the other hand, you can step outside and you can see God around you in your garden, in the plants that are growing, in the food that you eat, in the air that you breathe, you know, in your own physical body and the, the marvellous machines that we are, the animals that we are, um, if you can see God there, then the whole world is just so much full, fuller, you know, and so much more alive and humming with the divine, if you like. And I think that's an exciting world to live in. And I wish that more Christians could have just a little taste of that, even if you don't have to go all out and say that uh, nature is the main way that you engage with God. Just to have a bit more of that in church, I think would be a really valuable thing. Mm. That's great. And obviously, Sam and I wrote Whole Life Worship um, a couple of years back and a whole thing about that is trying to bring into the church worship um, elements that will help people when they leave the church to continue to worship God to not think of worship to be something that is limited to those couple of hours on Sunday morning Um, and you're so right Jeremy that if if our if our worship connects with the outside world whether it's by you know, sitting inside the church building and thinking about, oh, you know, looking at pictures of our of our workspaces or whatever other ideas we might bring in into indoor church or is meeting outside. Um, you know, if you've gone for a litter pick around your block uh, and prayed for people as you picked up the rubbish, 
you will think differently about those people. You will think differently about rubbish the next time you go for a walk around your block. And I, yeah, I do think that's really important. And it is really um, connecting people's lives in with their spirituality. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking how often, well, not often, but there's probably two times a year that an Anglican church might venture outside. One is Remembrance Sunday. If you've got a cenotaph, you go outside. And the second one is Good Friday when you do a walk or witness. Yeah. Mm isn't it and mm. it's just trying to actually and often they 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 t- they have very moving moments um or as you say you might have a church that's you know that d- d- does a little pick you know that's mm. part, part of outreach um or prayer walking but it's funny though but how i'm just reflecting on my own situation collectively we that 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 can be it and uh, when mm. we did our, our easter service you know we, everyone was saying we need to do this again and so i put another date in the diary we'll do it on pentecost we'll just mm. you know we're very lucky we've got a massive lawn that looks mm. on the onto our high street and we'll do it again and there was a sense which yeah we need to be doing this so maybe that's there's a lesson there out connection with god outside doesn't have to be something massive it can be your churchyard it could be your car park you know, um, and that they and that that can help that collectively to realise actually, yeah, um, this is part of our life, and we can encounter God just as much there. But I do think I can. Well, for my tradition, it's quite limited. Twice a year, we're outside, <laughs> 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 and uh, and maybe that I'm just reflecting to take that back. That maybe it's about building more into a, a rhythm for those who yeah. respond to rhythms. Does there need to be a corporate rhythm where actually this is this is what we do, mm-hmm. and this is why we do it, and and then you're uh, teaching people the skills so they can take that back home, which is what Jeremy is saying, mm. that actually you can do this in your backyard, you can do this in Tesco car park, you can do this, um, <laughs> you know, in a myriad of places and ways. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, mm. yeah. yeah right. thinking on that. I think the other opportunity that I wanted to um, just mention, which is, I think is, when I was reflecting on it, I think it's the main opportunity when you talk about actual church, is the levelling of... Um, hierarchies and the blurring of the boundaries um my my ideal church is always all age i i think it's once you have kids and i don't know whether this is the case if you don't i can't speak for that experience but once you have kids you i've always felt this kind of um uh discomfort with sending the kids away you know, in church, it's like, why, why are we kicking them out? Like, literally, if we're talking about keeping children in the faith, kicking them out of the service feels like, you know, just naturally the wrong thing to do. <laughs> if anything, we should leave. Um, so outdoor worship does just level that kind of hierarchy of we're the grown-ups who make the decisions and you are the kids who we will just put you in places you don't have a choice. Um, and we found in Park Church, you know, very much the children are, uh, they are, they're maybe not equal in knowledge. No one is equal in knowledge to Jeremy. We ask him everything. (laughs) (laughs) So Jeremy, what kind of tree is this? Um, But, um, but they are equal in understanding and uh, ability to notice God around us. And they are a lot better at us than us at playing, at climbing trees at finding the little things, at being happy to roll in the mud and find the, you know, the micro stuff. Um, and I just love that that just levels out and we don't have to make a huge effort to be all age. If you're inside and you need to have an intergenerational worship service, I think it's, it can be done and I think it's really important, but it's hard work um, because 
you know, you constantly have to engage with the kids, whereas outside is already engaging by nature. Um, but it's not just about all ages, it's about all skills, you know. Mm. Actually, your theological training at Bible college probably doesn't help you that much. Um, there, there will be people who are great at the Bible, but there will also be people who are great at, you know, um, naming the birds that we can see. Um, or people who are great at building, um, a, you know, rain shelter for those rainy times or, you know, whatever. It kind of levels the skills. Uh, it levels the the kind of levels of faith as well, all kind of um, experience. Um, as Sam was saying, you know, having been a Christian for a long time, for him, it was a disrupting thing to go outside and, and trying to understand what it means to worship outside. And that meets those kind of newer Christians, um, whether they are kids or whether they are just, you know, off the street who, um, you know, this is a learning experience for everybody together and God can speak to us equally. You know, if you say, look at the clouds, what reminds you of God? Your Bible college education isn't going to help you and your 30 <laughs> years of, of uh, going to church isn't going to help you and you're just equal and level and it's so hard to do that indoor church, I think. Mm. Mm. So, Jeremy, picking up on um, worship in the woods mm -hmm. and then the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm going on a tangent here, but there is a sense in which what Sarah was saying is it's a leveller. Mm -hmm. And then we're all seeing actually we're all in the same boat together with this mess we got ourselves into. How have you seen Park Church helps people address that climate crisis and then obviously climate anxiety and you know have we found that actually the children helps you speak into that and I don't know just just because there's this really powerful dynamics I was talking mm. about when everyone is shoulder to shoulder literally it seems in in this environment so then how has that led to a greater sense of responsibility and hope about climate the climate crisis that we're in yeah I think it does it does come up quite often in in part church we'll make a a point of um, talking about environmental issues because you can't avoid them. If you're going to be talking about yeah. uh, water or about weather uh, or about wildlife, then those sorts of issues will come up. And that's another interesting thing because when you have a very indoor religion, it's very easy for the church to almost accidentally turn its back on an ecological crisis, which is unfolding all around us. We live quite protected from the worst effects of it in Britain, but if you're a church in Kenya or Madagascar, where I grew up, then it's a much more uh, immediate and visceral uh, a matter of survival, quite frankly, in some places. <clears throat> you can't ignore it. But if we're all tucked away in the buildings, we're comfortable, as we were saying earlier. <laughs> you, can, you can forget that it exists, and I speak from personal experience, but I can say you can go for years at a time without anyone mentioning the environment or climate change. And, it, and unfortunately, if you look at the statistics in America, but also in this country, Christians are some of the least likely to recognize that, that, that climate change is even a, a real problem. So it's a, real, it's a real issue. There's Christians doing amazing things on the environment, but the church as a whole has perhaps been quite sleepy on the whole issue. And there's cert certainly more that we could be doing. And I think that being more aware of um, the environment and doing more outdoor church just wakes us up to the world around us and to the gift that it is. And when we take Jesus's invitation to go and look at the birds and consider the lilies, we hear different messages from them. 
the ones that we always default to are, isn't it amazing? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't God an amazing creator? But you also see messages like, why is this thing gone? <laughs> why is this mm. thing in decline? Why is this mm. thing so polluted? Um, I think of things like um, when I was little, I remember feeding hedgehogs in our back garden. And that was the most everyday thing in the world. And you had children's cartoons that had hedgehogs in them and so on. My kids have never seen a hedgehog. Mm. Um, there's been an 80% decline in hedgehog numbers. And yet it's some, one of the most kind of everyday animals you can imagine for someone of, with, with my childhood. Um, those are gone. And so if you're paying attention to God's creation, then there's, there's something missing. You're hearing uh, a cry for help in a way. And it's only when you go out and you start paying attention to nature that you're going to hear those sorts of things. There's a, a thing in the newspaper today saying that there's been a, another survey of global habitats. And there are only 3% of the world's habitats now that are not damaged by human activity in some way. You know, 90% of the world is now affected by human industry and activity. Where's, where's the church on this? And how will we ever lead on these things or even speak at all on these things if we're not paying more attention and so i think by going out doing more outdoor worship spending more time outdoors coming to appreciate the world that that's been entrusted to us then we can come to value it and to love it and it's only when you value it and love it that you're actually ever going to care for it so right yeah that's good i think some of it is education and that if we are to steward the earth, then we have to know something about it. And I was just thinking about what you were saying. And if you are not outside enough that you know when it's supposed to be warm and when it's supposed to rain, mm. uh, then you're not going to notice a difference. And so we loved last year when it was like a uh, heat wave throughout the early lockdown. But that wasn't normal. That's not, you know, this is much more normal when we're freezing at night. Um and but if you if you're never outside, you won't know what's normal. And I, and I think that about I'm Swedish, right? And we do a lot of outdoor outdoor stuff. And I feel like as a general rule in England, there's a lack of knowledge about you know just getting dressed. You know, <laughs> you're gonna go outside for a day, wear clothes. <laughs> um, it, it really surprises me, but I think. There is this kind of nature deficit disorder that some people talk about. And part of that is just learning where waterproofs it's going to rain. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's more likely to, to rain at Easter than at Christmas in England. It's supposed to anyways. Uh, and so just learning those kind of small, just normal things again that maybe people used to know. I don't know. Mm. Could you take me through, um, and because I've never been to Park Church, <laughs> But, you know, could you paint a picture as to what might be, if I were to turn up, obviously I'd have got the email or whatever saying, you know, bring warm clothing and <laughs> a blanket and a chair. And so that I'd have come all encumbered with all my, you know, Western comforts to be outside. <laughs> so once I've come with my, you know, backpack, uh, honestly, my children will be well happy away. What, 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 is, what is this time together look like that's helping me connect with God and in a way connect with my responsibility to this precious planet. Mm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it can be very varied. So it's quite hard to know how to, how to begin. Uh, what we'd normally do is we would meet at a designated point in the park. We have a particular favorite spot, which is under some big beech trees. And there are some logs that have um, kind of been arranged 
makes a kind of natural seating area. So we often meet there. <clears throat> what we'll generally do then is we will have a kind of opening act of worship of some kind, which if Sam and Sarah invo are involved, will usually be um, something creative with a kind of a call and response mechanism. Well, I don't know what, uh, <laughs> I like to delegate to them, those sorts of things. Um, and then often we'll have a topic and we like to be led by what's going on around us. So things that are relevant to the particular season that we're in. We do a lot of just walking through that park anyway, and we're always observing what's going on. <clears throat> and we'll often take as a theme um, a particular thing that's happening. Uh, so we've done stuff around springtime. We've done things around flowers. Uh, we did a, a, a whole session on squirrels one time just to see <laughs> what we could learn from them. And uh, we'll, we'll try and take something from the park and then we might explore it a little bit through a little bit of science. Sometimes we'll even do little science experiments. And then we'll look at um, stories from the Bible that speak into those sorts of things and look for connections. Sometimes there are Bible verses or passages that speak directly about those things. And sometimes it's a more of a sideways leap to finding those connections. Um, and then there'll usually be some, some games. If it's cold, there'll probably be some hot chocolate involved, uh, things like that. It's all been a bit different, of course, in the last year because we haven't always been able to meet uh, in the ways that we'd like, just as churches indoors have struggled with that. Um, but yeah, that's how it would normally go. What on earth did we talk about squirrels? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I remember it being great. I remember it being great, but I can't now exactly remember. Well, we what looked at, we went around and looked for uh, squirrel drays, which is the name for squirrel nests. And you see them best in the winter because they're like, they're like these big bundles of twigs and sticks that you see up high in the trees. And, and then we talked about uh, animal homes and things having their places in the world. Mm. And uh, we talked about the psalm. The nearest animal to a squirrel in the Bible is the rock badger or the hyrax. <laughs> I, think that, I, love it I seem to remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we looked at pictures of hyraxes yeah. on the phone. And then we had a go at, at building a squirrel dray, which is in like a, a branch, crook of a branch, which is mm. far harder than it looks. I don't know quite how the squirrels do it. It had to hold the weight of a, a big potato, I seem to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it tends yeah. to be pretty active, doesn't it? Because it, yeah. we don't have that kind of, there's someone at the front and everybody else is kind of in rows thing. We, we're kind of in a circle and we've never got massively big. So it's it's very kind of discursive. And you basically have, you can you can talk for a little bit, but then you've got to throw it open to discussion. Or you've got to do something practical. Or and the kids will leave. Or the kids will leave, yeah. <laughs> if you... You've got the yeah. kids physically doing something with their hands or looking at something. You know, there's a great, one of my favourite sessions we ever did was about snails. And we found a load of snails very gently. And we, you know, we were very careful, <laughs> respectful of the snails. We put them on some plastic that Jeremy had, a plastic sort of tray thing that had concentric circles. We put them in the middle. And then if you spray water on the thing, they, they come out of their shells and they start to head for the edge. So we had a little snail race with them going to the edge. But then Jeremy said, well, how is how is God like a snail? Which is a, sounds like a stupid question, but we started to talk about well, they're slow. How is God slow? Oh, God is slow to anger. 
oh, you know, God is not slow in the way that we think of. He mm. is patient, all that stuff from Peter. You know, and suddenly this whole conversation happened, but it happened as we were all intently looking at to see whether our <laughs> snail was going to ruin the snail race. And so it, it's that kind of thing that for us has, has really worked and it's made it all intergenerational and it's made it possible. But it's very based on the, the people we have as well. And so I think if you were to do it um, <clears throat> in a in a bigger church and you would invite, you know, the whole the whole group I think you would probably do a bit differently and um in the worship in the woods resource that uh, will be published next week we've tried to make it as easy as possible for just your average church congregation mm. I think our, my hope when when we initiated this <clears throat> was that just ordinary normal churches would have a go you don't have to be an eco-warrior you don't have to um uh, you know, dress in organic cotton or whatever. You you can be just your normal self and your normal church with all the kind of different kinds of people. Um, if you are in a bigger church, you will need to kind of think. You can't just say, let's turn up under that beech tree because if there's 50 of you, yeah. obviously that's not allowed right now in the UK. But when that's allowed, you're not going to be able to to do that, particularly in a discursive way. You're going to have to think about uh, do people bring chairs? Uh, you know, how about uh, Beryl who can't stand for very long? Uh, how about mm. the people that can't get up that hill? Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, and and also maybe it's better to do it in smaller groups if you're going to yeah. have that kind of conversation thing. Do I need to train 10 group leaders to lead a first? You know, it's going to be different um, probably depending on your church. Yeah, and we have done some larger events sort of where we've invited other churches or just people from the community and there we've made it more modular. So we've had just maybe one sheet and we said, right, go off around the park and do this, look out for this, have this conversation. And then you might gather those people back together. But it, it's definitely doable in a bigger group. You're just going to have to sort of mm. scale it up and think about mm. it differently. Mm. But I, I would avoid... I, you know, if people listen to this, I would avoid the situation where you're going, right, we're going to need a PA system. We're going to need, you know, don't, don't try and take church. indoor church out, you know. Yeah. Make, you're doing it, it wrong. Yeah. You're doing it, honestly, yeah. I, that's what I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with occasionally doing a big event We've outdoors. we lovely outdoor services. Absolutely. PA systems and screens. But that is different. That's worship outdoors. It's not outdoor worship. Yeah. And outdoor worship has got something to offer that I think, you know, it, it makes you look at the, the the world differently and it makes you look at the Bible differently. You know, mm. we we now read the Bible very differently. We, we've realised, oh, most of this Bible is happening outdoors. You know, most of Jesus' examples or parables are about outdoor things. Most of the, so many of the metaphors are about outdoor things. So suddenly you start to read the Bible differently and you start to see the world differently. And, you know, if anyone's worried, just make it very clear we're not worshipping creation, you know? <laughs> you don't have to get worried about that. And actually, you know, for us, it's it's felt very natural, really, to be outdoors. And it's felt, you know, very um, straightforward, really, mm -hmm. to kind of get that focus on God. We're not, um, yeah, we're not scared of kind of, oh gosh, are we starting to worship the trees? That's never really been an issue. But it's interesting because uh, in preparation for this, I listened to your other podcast. They're great. Well done, Grace, <laughs> Sam. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, Geraldine said in the previous podcast about um, how singing can become an idol in our churches. And that is as true as, you know, a tree could become an idol. It's mm. just, you know, we're, we're, we're worried because it seems pagan. Uh, but, 
you know, anything can become an idol. Um, but we think those trees are pointing us towards God, I suppose, yeah. rather than um, anything else. Yeah. I mean, you guys have got me really excited because we, um, Sam, and I, we started a church in our local community centre um, before COVID. And obviously our community centre is now a COVID test centre and <laughs> it could well be. And I was just thinking, oh, we should just go outside. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> so, because you've made it seem that it's, it's you're letting the environment in a way shape what you do together and not try to transplant what we have indoors exactly. to outdoors but actually say we're outdoors let outdoors let god use the outdoors to speak to us yeah. and therefore shape how we connect with one another how we respond to one another and and be more aware be more aware um of our of our of our environment and i can see that worshiping outside by its nature is disruptive because you're having to, you're having to, you're having to use different senses and skills and awareness. And as a leader, it's it's really you know letting, uh, sitting lightly on the potential chaos of mm. children mm. running around here doing there, and somehow being able to hold to hold that. And I think when you're indoors, it seems so much easier to corral everyone. <laughs> but maybe no, there is that. And there are no do dogs, no dogs indoors. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I just wonder, we uh, as 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 a vicar, you can get stuck into that mindset. Mm. And and therefore um doing things in different places in a different way can open us again to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Because when you are used to being in a building, da, 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 whatever your liturgy is, you can get stuck in it. This is what we do, and the Holy Spirit will only meet us in this way. Then mm. I can see that when you are outdoors and how it affects everyone, you really have to say you're having to be open in a different way. And I can see that exciting as well as being challenging. If you've got potential control freak issues, like I do, <laughs> <laughs> like every church leader has, like every church leader has. <laughs> but I, I, I can see the. I can see the wisdom in that. But but Jeremy, I was just thinking, I can see this is something that you're really passionate about. What would you love, as we're emerging out of lockdown, what would you love to see that remains in terms of churches and connecting with the outside? I'd love to see a lot more churches giving it a go. <clears throat> and I think even if you don't want to go for a, you know, a regular outdoor church session, finding new ways to bring uh, experiences of nature and of creation into the body of the church. So that could be something like, it could be an afternoon walk on a Sunday afternoon, uh, go to a local nature reserve or some woodland and, and go and expect not just to meet together and have a, a nice walk, but expect to hear from God uh, at the same time. Uh, it could be something like having outdoor Sunday school which obviously you're sending the kids away uh, again, but you know, it, oh, they if, get to go to a better place though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring, bring something of that into Sunday school, perhaps, or, or the youth group. Mm. There's lots of different ways to do it, but something that uh, begins to make it normal for the church to take an interest in the outdoors. Mm. I think a really, there's a really practical element to this as well. A lot of churches have churchyards mm. and very much depending on you know what kind of church you have and what tradition you're in some of those churches are literally dead places they're full of graveyards mm -hmm. it's a it, you walk through this kind of circle of dead things to get into the <laughs> church I, it's such a shame and the symbolism of it is so wrong as well but if you could take an interest in the nature that you share in the with that churchyard 
the the plants that grow there, the animals that visit there and that live there. That can become a place of life as well. And to it, there's little things you could do, like even just putting up bird boxes or planting certain species that uh, the birds will appreciate because there's berries in the winter, for example, those sorts of things. <clears throat> Take an interest in nature through your churchyard and through whatever grounds you might have. That again can just be a way of connecting the indoors and the outdoors and calling people to pay a little bit more attention to what's happening outside. And of course, as we learn to pay attention to what's going on outside, we're becoming more aware of environmental issues and particularly uh, climate justice issues as well. You guys have got me fired up. I just think you've made it really um, accessible and and easy, I think, and doable. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be some big razzmatazz thing. It's, it's, it's looking at what's in your hand, what mm. you already have. Do you have a churchyard? Yeah. In our case, you have a big open lawn, um, other walks you could take together. And I know a friend of mine, Eve, she's a, a pioneer minister uh, in Gillingham, and every length they just do walks. So they don't have like a formal you know, let's sit down and study the Bible, but they do Lenten walks and and in that they have conversations and moments to stop and reflect and ponder. And she says it's been really powerful for her um, as well as others who, who have joined. And so it's just having that, yeah, mindset that we don't have to be sitting. And I know for me going forward, I want to keep all my pastoral visits outdoors and walking. Yeah. I have some great yeah. conversations with people. None of this you know sitting formally and all you know but um yeah. and those are you know I've, I've discovered new places around Luton I didn't even know existed yeah because we've been out and about and walking and maybe for some people listening that's where you start if you've got someone who is able to walk you could agree a walk agree a duration and in that time together be open to say you know want to hear each other through each other and also around us mm. and that can be a one-to-one way of uh, a person at a time helping us connect with this amazing creation and hear what it is saying to us because you said it's not just all good news so it's 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 crying and crying out for help and it's in Mm. pain so I can see those those partial encounters through walking I've I've found personally lockdown have been a have been an eye-opener and people share more stuff when you're walking yeah Mm. when you're sitting down and I for me going forward I want I'd love that for myself to continue that Mm. more meeting outdoors and less meeting inside Mm. and there's there's a mission dimension to this as well because um this is something we talk about at part church as well and and, um when you're inviting people into your building you're expecting people to come on into your space to become part of your traditions there are things that they're going to encounter that will be very foreign to them um whereas you know (laughs) the the natural world belongs to all of us Mm. so you're meeting in common ground and whether that is just a walk and a conversation or whether it is some form of outdoor worship you're literally meeting on shared ground and i think that outdoor worship can be a very powerful form of mission as well Mm. yeah yeah that's Mm. good and the other thing i was thinking is so we've already had the the kind of depth of worship we've had the mission uh, and um and the kind of community building um potential as well uh, you know churches are often looking for how can we raise up more leaders how can we uh, make sure everybody's involved if you're gonna do church outdoors or outdoor worship don't just you know send out your vicar who knows nothing about birds <laughs> to talk about birds. <laughs> find out who the birders are in your in your church and if you're going to build a a, a um shelter because you're going to talk about the tabernacle or something 
find the builders in your church who mm. are good at that kind of stuff, who has nothing to do when there's a call for volunteers to lead worship inside. Mm. Um, I just think this is such an answer to those questions of how can we have kind of every member ministry? Uh, mm. How can we allow people to have their their kind of passions and interests and, and let that sort of um, spring into worship? Mm. So it's a, it's an all-rounder, really. Yeah. Um, we keep saying that this is out next week, although uh, by the time people hear this, it will be out. It's out okay. on the 21st of April and uh, it's available for engageworship.org slash woods. And uh, it's 10 sessions uh, for £10, so it's a bargain. Mm. And um, so, yeah, we just encourage people. And there's actually on our website, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by saying this, but there's loads of other free outdoor worship ideas that you can just get off the website as well. Not as well edited. (laughs) (laughs) They're really good. I've used them. (laughs) Excellent. So, yeah, do, you know, make use of that. And I know that there there are other good resources as well. The C of E put out some stuff at the beginning of lockdown about worshiping outdoors. There's organisations like Forest Church, um, Wild Worship or Wild Church, something like that, a couple of books like that. I'm sure Arosha has things. Yeah, yeah, look at uh, Operation Noah regarding climate change and those kind of things. But um, Jeremy, do you want to let us know a few things people can get in touch with about you? (laughs) Yes, certainly. So um, I write a a blog which is called The Earthbound Report, and that's www.earthbound.report. Where I write about sustainability issues. Um, I also have a book coming out later this year uh, called Climate Change is Racist, <laughs> which is, um, as far as I'm aware, it's the first book to put together the issue of climate change and race and really look at that through the, uh, that lens of uh, racial justice. Mm. So, yeah, I definitely recommend that. Mm. Yeah. And I, I would say that your book, Time to Act, is really good as well, which you edited. Yes. So this was for uh, Christian Climate Action, which is the Christian wing of Extinction Rebellion. And it's a book that is full of Christian activists who are um, taking acts of civil disobedience for the climate. So it's quite radical, but really inspiring stories from uh, people of sort of all ages and backgrounds uh, taking radical action for the climate. That's really good. Great. Anything you wanted to... (laughs) I've got got nothing else to promote. (laughs) But yeah, go and look at Worship in the Woods. That's what I'd say. We worked really hard. (laughs) Great. Look forward to reading it and putting it into action. Well, thank you guys so much. It's brilliant to chat to you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Visit engageworship.org slash disruptingworship for reflection questions and links to resources for each episode. You can get in touch with us by email on info at engageworship.org and also via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at engageworship.org.